Yeah, man, we are live. Ah, woohoo! Nice little intro there. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I saw Pat Stedman in both of those. <laughs> I want to welcome you, Pat, tonight. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tony. It's good to be back on. Yeah, I'm glad you're here tonight. A um, couple of real quick things. I want to welcome everybody from 21 Studios. You might not know me, but I'm sure a lot of you guys know Pat Stedman. But uh, I want to thank Anthony Johnson for letting us hijack 21 Studios tonight. So I hope we have a lot of new faces. A couple things I want to tell people who are new to my show. It's called Reality Check. And tonight is called The Truth About Dating and Feminism and how that ties in and how it affects affects dating. It affects marriages. Feminism affects a lot of things. So that's kind of the topic tonight. Also, I want to congratulate Anthony Johnson and 21 Studios for 400,000 subs tonight. And uh, congratulations, Anthony. Good job. Keep it going. Also, you guys get your tickets for 21 Convention. Also, I have a coupon code. It's Tony150. That's Tony150. Punch it in. You get $150 off your off your ticket. So uh, remember that, Tony150, when you get your ticket. Um, again, I want to introduce you to my channel if you're new here. We just have some good conversations. Um, we talk about a lot of different things. Pat is a regular here. We've been doing this probably, me and Pat, probably for almost a year now, about every other, I'd say bi-monthly, I, I would say it is, about every six, eight weeks. I think so, we're over a year. I think we're, yeah. we're, you know, I think our initial interview was fall of 2020. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but always a great time. Again, I want to welcome, I want to welcome all the new people from, uh, from 21 Studios, man. And uh, one thing I do is I do open up the, the, uh, I put a live link so you can come on and ask questions. So be aware of that. So keep your questions ready so you can come on the live panel. You can chat with us. So let's get right into it, Pat. Um, let me uh, let me look at all the comments here. We've got a lot here. Let me just welcome people. Muhammad, self-made, Woody Johnson, Uncle Guns, of course. Um, Francisco. Yeah, man. Good to see you. Um, hopefully we get some new faces. If, uh, if you don't know me or not familiar with my channel, I'm sure you guys are familiar with 21 Studios. Go ahead and speak up, say hi, and uh, again, we'll get to a point where we can ask questions. Peg Bell, good to see you. Jared Mesa, good to see you, man. Austin, good to see you. So let's get right into it. It is the truth about dating and feminism. So let's talk about feminism and what is feminism. Now, I've done some research. I'm not a big scholar on feminism. I do know that feminism is not being feminine. We'll just, we'll start out like that. But from, from what I understand, there's two kind of schools of thoughts on feminism. There are schools of thought to way to, that people say that it just started back in the early 20th century. But there's also people that say that there's three waves of feminism. And the first wave would be the early 20th century. The second wave would be in the really 60s to 70s. And then the third wave, which would be considered from now and the past few decades. So that's kind of our take on the feminist movement. And I guess we're going to dive right into it, Pat. So I'm going to ask you the big question. What is a feminist? Well, I think in the modern context, a feminist is a communist. <laughs> okay. um, not to get a little bit bombastic off the off the bat, but 
whatever feminism was, and we can talk about that, we can talk about its evolution. The we're we're in a post uh, post feminist society, I would say. Like they have all these these arguments about fighting the patriarchy, um, but you know, this is the reason that they still exist and that people still think feminism matters and you should be a feminist. But I mean, the, the battle's already been essentially won. I mean, what, what further advantage would the feminists gain at this point? It would be what putting us in the camps. And <laughs> there are actually some feminists who advocate for that to put men in the camps and use the ones who, you know, they, that they want to for breeding purposes. I'm, I'm saying this stuff in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way because we know it's not going to get to that point. But we are in a, I would say, um, post-feminist liberation society. And now it's not about liberation. It's about conquest. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and that's why we have our community, which is a reaction to it, for better or for worse. But it's a reaction to um, where we're at right now. I think if you want to go and use the terminology of first, second, and third wave feminism, um, you can say that first wave feminism was really simply just the right to vote. It was women's suffrage. And I understand the arguments against that. Uh, I, I kind of think it's a moot point. I think it's kind of LARPy to complain about women's suffrage just because it's not going to go away. The only, the only way that anybody could get rid of women's suffrage is if we actually suffered a, a complete and total societal collapse where there was no state and we were basically left in the small communities and communities had to reestablish some localized law and order. That's the only way you get rid of women's suffrage. <laughs> so I, I would say let's not try to hope for a situation where we get rid of women's suffrage because... And also, I don't think it would it really matters because the reality is, and you can look at this even by today's data, married women vote in 90% lockstep with their husbands. So it didn't really matter that much anyway, because if you were in a marriage, they were they were going to go the same direction. It's really only been divergent with single women. Okay, let me let me pause you real quick. Sure. But though now you say the the woman is following the man, is it possible that because of feminism, it's the other way where the man is following the woman, even though they're voting for the same thing? You see what I'm saying? It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, and I think it's certainly happened. Mm-hmm. It certainly has happened in, in today's society that you're going to see marriages and that they're both liberal, but they're both liberal because of the fact that, you know, the woman's liberal and the guy kind of goes along with it. What I've found is that most of those guys, though, if they are conservative at heart, that they tend just to not talk about their opinion. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, they get their little act of disobedience in the, in the ballot box by themselves. And, and that was indicated by a lot of stuff that happened with Trump because you saw that pattern break a bit that you had a lot more married women voting for not voting, having lockstep with their husbands with Trump in 2016. So 
I do think that while that is a phenomenon, a lot of it is kind of guys will sneakily go around it. Um, the other thing I would say is that sometimes that even goes the opposite direction. Believe it or not, there are a lot of very weak liberal guys with very conservative wives. And now those relationships don't usually work mm-hmm. in the long term. Um, and by the way, that's no guarantee that the woman was stable <laughs> in the relationship just because she was conservative. There's a lot of batshit conservative women. Um, but anyway, that's that's but I would say by and large, that hasn't been as much of an issue because men still tend to and I've looked at a lot of these um like even lefty dynamics and while there may be like more of a neurotic woman there who's kind of pushing for stuff pushing for stuff pushing um there's usually most couples are usually in lockstep with each other uh so you know there's a lot of guys who are liberal based on their own conscience and it's not just because of women so anyway that was the big thing with first wave feminism though was women's suffrage And I also just want to make one last point on that, which is we haven't really seen the kind of issues that we're looking at today with, uh, you know, liberal versus conservative in the past. In the past, you didn't see any sort of real national issue because the real issue with liberal conservative today is that um, the left is and also aspects of the right, but the left is is essentially under like a brainwashing right and so it's i think that the phenomenon is very very different because it's not just like standard politics like in the past standard politics women didn't there there was not this sort of um hysterics that came from married women it was single women in the 60s and 70s who then started to push for after they got the right to vote they then started to push for um the ability to to work and to work in in basically an equal capacity to men. Now, so second wave feminism is, I think, sort of equilibrium. Um, so when you look at second wave feminism, what you're essentially looking at is this is where men and women presumably were supposed to have just equal rights across society and no preferential treatment to one or the other. And I think if we're being honest here, a lot of people are pretty much okay with second wave feminism um, because people are, I think, fair. And I think you can understand, like one of the things with second wave feminism is just because a woman maybe should have the right to work in an equal capacity as a man, it doesn't mean that she needs to do exactly what a man does. Mm-hmm. And I think that was not initially uh, at odds with people. It was more just if a woman wanted to go through the career ladder, was she going to be treated differently because she was a woman? And look, for being honest, she was treated differently. That That's a reality. People, I mean, people can complain about how it's been inverted at this point, but that was a reality back then. Um, now their big thing is trying to push the top of the corporate ladder, but they're really, really running into the resistance of biology, which is that most women simply do not want to work as hard as men. 
to get to those high level positions. They don't want to give up the sacrifices in their personal life. And so it's tough to find women who are going to inhabit the C-suite because most just don't want to deal with that stuff. So then we have third wave fe feminism, which uh, you can argue that the first two were wolves in you know, sheep's clothing. And I think that there was certainly, you know, some of the early suffragettes, I think, did hate men and probably were at heart third waivers, maybe. But most of the women who ended up agreeing with these things or who, and actually, let's be honest here, women's suffrage was passed by men <laughs> so because they're the ones who had the right to vote. So men obviously thought it was appropriate at the time and men by and large were pretty okay with with second wave feminism third wave nobody really likes um it's being shoved down really everybody's throat even most women don't like third wave feminism because they don't they don't many of them when they when you get past the loaded terminology of like feminist and i actually think that that was more of a relevant thing five years ago. Like five years ago, if you talked about this kind of stuff, women would be like, well, I don't agree with that stuff, but I'm a feminist. But those women who are, who are being reasonable about it and had sort of a semantic confusion about what the term feminist meant, I have not seen those women identify with feminists anymore. Most of those women have been like, get me the fuck away from that term. And some of them yeah. actually. I, I was going to say that, that a lot of women, I think, will try to identify as a feminist, but aren't. It's kind of almost like being in the club kind of thing. Yeah. And, and my contention is that it's way less of a factor than before. I don't think people really want to be associated with those groups. Um, I, I know a lot of people here probably disagree and they see things getting worse and worse but i just see the people who are more and more isolated getting louder and louder i don't see any gaining of ground i just see attrition so you know it's always people always scream the loudest when they have the least amount of power so mm -hmm. i'm i'm the whole thing is collapsing and i know personally multiple women who would have identified as liberal feminists who are done with it. Like they, they do not even like the terminology. They make fun of feminists. And um, these are women who nevertheless have, you know, well-paying jobs. Sometimes they're even more successful than the guys that they're with. And nevertheless, they still hate the term feminist and they don't want those kind of dynamics because they see them as poisonous and I think more than that, the veil is kind of off where they realize not only is the intention of it not fair and not only has it destroyed relationships, but that they also, I think, see that, that it's just coming from communists. Mm -hmm. And women who want to have a family don't want to be associated with women who want the destruction of the family. So... I mean, I'm going to say in this in this umbrella of of the Internet and YouTube, I would say that most guys, when they think of feminists, OK, you're going to think of that purple, blue haired kind of pierced up, screeching woman. That's your that's going to be your typical um, thought of a feminist. I mean, that to me, that's what most guys think of. But I think there's a lot of undercover 
feminists, I would call them. Mm-hmm. The women, a lot of women that you wouldn't think, you know, to me, a lot of times, you know, we all, you know, we all kind of despise that strong, independent woman phrase. Um, and it's not like, I think women take that the wrong way, you know, but what I've noticed is the strong, independent woman is usually the one that's already been through like three or four marriages and I can do it on my own. And, you know, we know the whole term, you know, you end up living with cats and cat food and box wine. We know the whole, the whole basic scenario. So, but I think most guys, when you think of feminist, you think of that purple haired pierced tattoo, that one woman screaming, you know, looks like a dude kind of thing. But I think that's our basic vision of a feminist. But I think that's probably, that's probably the minority. Would you agree? Well, I, I would agree that that is the archetype that's blown up, but I think that's actually a good propaganda piece to blow up Mm -hmm. because that's part of what has pushed regular women away from the term and the ideology. I mean, you have a bunch of like disgusting looking women who are screaming and, and sounding ridiculous. Regular women don't want to be a part of that anymore. And so I actually am very happy to continue to amplify that image of what feminism is because that's good. Um, that's good. That's good. You know, psychological operations to, to isolate a term like, for instance, and we won't go into this too much, but look at how my body, my choice was neutralized with the, the whole mandates mm-hmm. that now when they tried to throw out the abortion thing and said, my body, my choice, it kind of collapsed. Mm-hmm. Because you, we, the term was hijacked and neutralized, so you, there's all sorts of ways you want to use this stuff against them. Um, what I think is really interesting, though, I th- to your point, is that there are a lot of women who maybe behave like feminists, but they don't identify as feminist. And then there's also the inversion, and this is one of the things with, um, you know, I found very interesting about liberals and conservatives, because conservatism has a lot is really about like self-reliance at a certain level. It's about self-reliance and, you know, liberalism is more collective. You can say, you know, and, and I'm not saying that that in a, outside of the current context, which is extremely hijacked, that you don't want to have some dialogue between the two things. I think conservatism is more masculine. Liberalism is more feminine, but if you just had pure, masculine energy as the guiding force in society, you'd have fascism. Just like if you had pure feminine energy, you'd have communism. So it's good to have, I think that you have a healthy Republic when you have some level of, of engagement between these themes. Um, Now, not to get too much in the weeds here, but as a result, a lot of conservative women are actually pretty, pretty tough and outspoken. Yeah. And a lot of liberal women are actually really submissive. And just the issue is that a lot of those women are submissive to the state <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of submissive to their, their man. And, you know, I was talking to a client about this the other day and uh, he made a really good point. And he basically said, it's really tough to find a woman who doesn't fall for this bullshit, who is feminine. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the women who actually stand up against this stuff who haven't fallen for it do have a level of um, what you could call like feminist disposition, even if they ideologically are against it, 
they are stronger. They're more used to standing up for themselves and taking charge. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that those women are bad matches, but you are going to have to be just a little bit extra more of a man <laughs> to, to guide I, I totally get what you're saying. A hundred percent. I mean, I've seen it without. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and you look, a lot of these liberal women, they'll put up with like total limperate, li you know, limperous loser. Right. Because their, their standard, they're, they're so, they have such a little sense of themselves. And actually that's what draws them to the ideology. Because again, we talk about how it's, fundamentally especially the third wave feminism is fundamentally marxist because it plays on victimhood mm -hmm. so you have this idea that you're totally helpless and therefore but you really you're so strong you're just oppressed like the overt reality of your existence you know you so Boy, that's, you, a great, that's a great way to put it you're so strong you're depressed and i've noticed that too that's that's a fact yeah um the I think there's a lot of conservative women, like you said, you really made a point. And I, and, and, and man, it really made me think here, but how, how a lot of the conservative women are, they, they will identify as conservative and feminine, but they're still want that masculine role. But I really like how you said, you got to be like an extra man to tangle that, you know, I mean, you just do. So. Yeah. And and look, I, I hate to speak plainly about it, but I think a lot of, on one hand, these women may be so used to having to fend for themselves and they, and they may, you know, be lying to them. You know, it's, it's scary for a woman. I talked about this at my 21 convention speech two years ago, but for a woman, a woman goes from being the feminine, which is really the feminine just receives, it receives. And so that's why women, when they have to actually do like trauma release, because they receive it into their womb, right? It is, it, they, they are a receptacle of energy. And so a woman, when she starts to, if, if she's received too much crap, too much negative stuff, then she starts to create like a real hard wall around herself. And so then she becomes hard and, and, you know, that's when she can become more of like, like a bitch, and is just really not enjoyable. You can say that she's in her masculine, right? That she's she's now like, I'm not going to let anything bad into me. Like before, I'm going to have full control over it. And you'll see this goes even to the extent with sex, which is that they'll have sex on their terms. Mm -hmm. No guy, they're never going to surrender to a guy even sexually, which of course leads them to have less orgasms, which is one of the reasons why feminism has increased with you know vibrators and whatever have increased with feminism because women are less and less able to actually get off because they're more and more detached from their own sexual energy so you get to this point then where if a woman is going to really integrate she has to surrender to a man and but but it's not about losing the capacity for her to stand for herself and and this is a point where and i have to be very you know as always especially with the audience i have to be very nuanced with how i talk about this stuff but you want a feminine woman but really you don't want a doormat and yeah. i and i and i've worked with enough guys to know that 
when they get a doormat who's feminine, cooks, cleans, does all this stuff, but has like no sense of self, they're not attracted to her. Yeah. She's an energy drain. She's yeah. not, he has to constantly kind of like, she's looking for his approval and for his, and they just doesn't want that guys. They, they want a woman who inspires them and who is there for them, who supports them, but they want to respect her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think on a certain pragmatic level, you also want to be able to trust that she can hold down the fort to a certain mm-hmm. extent. I mean, do you do you want your woman? Like, maybe it's flattering, but do you want your woman to be calling you about every single thing, or do you want to have her be able to? Can you delegate to her? Like that's as, a great term right there, delegate. I like yeah. That. I mean, it's the same thing as the leader. You're supposed to be directing the vision in the direction of the family. The leader is is the focus. That's the way the masculine is. The masculine is focus, focus. And so the more focused a man is, the more focused on a vision he is, that's what makes him a leader. You have a group of people. Who is the most focused on achieving the outcome? That person becomes the leader. It's not the person who can do all the little tasks. That's the manager. Okay, so as a man, it's not about managing everything you want. Actually, in many ways, women are better managers of a household. Mm -hmm. The man is the leader of the household. So this is one of those things that guys need to. It's such a trigger when you hear like she's a strong, independent woman, because when we hear that, we hear the women who are actually in defense mechanism mode and who are trying to keep men out, who are trying to prove themselves, who are trying to act like men because they don't personally feel like they're valuable. And so they're disconnected from their femininity. They've rejected their femininity. They view it as weakness. They view it as being taken advantage of. And so they cling on to this masculine and they want everybody to know it, which of course is a subcommunication that they're actually extremely weak and fragile and just little girls on the inside, is it worth your time to deal with them? Not usually at that moment because they're still in their defensive mode. But um, a woman who doesn't take shit but surrenders to you is a super powerful asset. And that's a woman who also is a queen, right? It's a woman who is dominant among other women. So... I think guys have to think very carefully about what exactly they're looking for. I I really like how you're explaining the nuances of that because every, there's so many words you said that would trigger probably not so many guys here, but a lot of women who will Mm -hmm. watch this. You know what I mean? There's all those little trigger words that you've said that I think would trigger women. But if they listen to the nuance, how you describe it, you know, it, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll also say this, those women who are more strong and independent, right. And who, who have this capacity to them, they are going to demand more of you as a man. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, a lot of what happens in relationships, I'm not saying it's, it's entirely the guy's fault because it's always both sides that are, dealing with the pattern, but very often 
the woman is testing the man because she doesn't trust him. And guys have a hard time with that because trust is, they feel like, well, you know, I have a, I have a decent job, you know, I'm in okay shape, you know, I'm, I'm around, you know, what, why, why isn't she surrendering to me? Why isn't she doing all this stuff for me that I, that I would like her to do? And so their default thing, and I think the, the, the red pill, you know, let me just say that when you're in a more serious relationship in particular, you don't want to find yourself into like a serious power game with the woman that you're with because nobody wins in the power game. You know, you, she, she cannot give you what you want. So then you retaliate, you learned how, what she wants. So you pull back. So then she doesn't get it. So then she has to come towards you again. You get into the cycle over and over again. And then it's like, well, if I can just increase my value further, then she has less leverage. And that's true. It's true. And you can do that and you can try to break them in that regard. And that's one way you can go about doing it. And I think for some guys, maybe that's what they want. And maybe that's the kind of dynamic that they want to have. The woman might not go along with it. They find another woman who they can bring into that, set it, set the frame from the very beginning. But I find that a lot of women, these, these more stronger women, what they're really looking for is that they can't, they don't feel like they can emotionally trust the guy because they see that the guy is trying to take something from them. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this sort of like, you know, and part of it's that he's not showing up maybe as a man that he's, you know, waking up late, you know, she's skipping stuff, cutting corners, uh, stuff like he's trying to avoid responsibility and she senses it. And so she doesn't trust him. And women are very fine tuned to that stuff. But it can also be that he's not almost respecting the gifts that she offers and valuing her. And so as a result, she gets really defensive. Whereas once she feels seen and understood and, and respected and appreciated, then her defense mechanisms drop and that femininity starts to come up. So it's kind of this, this thing that, you know, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't speak your mind. Like there's so much context to this stuff. I just want guys to understand that. But eventually like you gain in the fights with her and telling her and, you know, just doing the withdrawal stuff, you may only get, you know, marginal results with it at a certain point with certain women. And anyway, no, I think, I think, I mean, what you're saying is too, like with Dr. Sean Smith last week, if anybody hasn't seen that, um, that show I did with him last week, check it out. It's, it's awesome. But we talked about looking inward and that's kind of what you're saying with men is sometimes we always tend to blame somebody else. And what I'm getting from what you're saying is, is that guy has to kind of look inward and see what he's doing wrong. He's not leading properly. He's not picking up. Let's, let's say he's not seeing the full context of the relationship. So that's kind of what you're saying. But I think looking inward is really important. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a really another important piece of, of nuance is that if as a guy, when you're looking at what you what you're doing wrong in a relationship, but you're looking at it like 
how do I please her and make her happy? Then you're fucked. Like you're, you're now not looking, you want, you have to look at it as if, okay, I'm the leader. Let me take full stock and assessment of myself. Mm -hmm. Where am I falling short? That might correspond to things that she's giving you crap about. And that's just being honest. But it may also correspond, not correspond to things she's giving you crap about because she might give you crap about something super innocuous and stupid because she doesn't trust you overall or she feels abandoned. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, she blows something really tiny, some tiny maybe mistake or that didn't matter at all out of proportion and turns you into this into this bad guy. This happens with a lot of different relationships. And understandably, guys get really pissed off about this stuff and they don't like it. But. It's amazing how in in dynamics, if you if you guys are really in it together, how dropping the ego on your end and being like, you know what, I'm just going to I'm going to focus on on what I can do for myself and I'm going to be real with her about what, you know, I'm going to be real with her about kind of what I've gone through. You never you never ask you never like give me sympathy, feel bad for me about it. But you're just being real, being open about, yeah, this is something I'm struggling with and I'm, and, I, and this is what I'm working on and this would help me. You know, asking women for help, they love it. it, it they, they respond way better to it than like, Here's, do this, do this, do this. If you ask them for help, they like the help. Well, I mean, the, the original, I mean, a woman is really considered like in Christianity, a help mate. Yeah. You know, that's where that word comes from. So. Yeah. But the, the one thing I just want the audience to understand is that with this stuff, and and I know this is always something that it's it's difficult to talk about because there's so many different situations. There's so many different dynamics. You can be in one. Some guy's listening to what I'm saying, and he's remembering his experience with a borderline girl and he's going to be like, Pat is full of shit. Pat has no idea what he's talking about. That would never work. And the reality is that in that situation, that would be correct. You know, if you're with a toxic woman, this isn't going to work. Although you could argue it does work in the sense that it unequivocally reveals that she's actually toxic rather than just, hurting herself towards you mm-hmm. right that she's just not she might it, it a lot of times women act a negative way in a relationship because they're they're defensive you know they're self-protecting they actually don't feel very good about themselves and so it's just a defense mechanism you only find out the toxicity when you drop your own ego and if you do that and she responds still really nasty to you then you're like okay well this one was a bitch i can get out of here yeah <laughs> And, and, you know, you could, you should probably know that anyway, right? You should probably know anyway that she's really toxic because a good woman who you're fighting with is going to act very differently than a toxic woman. Mm-hmm. You know, a good woman's not going to go and like disappear for a few nights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, that stuff's not going to happen. So. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, since we've discussed a feminist, the big question is what is a male feminist? And I've got a little take on this. There's a couple things I always see in chats. I see it in comments. And every time I see this, I think of a male feminist is when a guy 
tells another guy, and I know you have seen this probably as much as I have on Twitter, on YouTube, when a guy says to another guy, that's feminine energy. I can't stand that. It is such a weak argument. It is a, it is the worst. It is so bad. I'm telling you guys, anybody watching, if you have said that to somebody, it's super weak. It's just a lame argument. And when I see that, I almost look at it as that's like your last ditch effort. That's all you have to say because you can't come up with any, any kind of really good comment or retort to what was said, whether it be in the comments or on Twitter or on a video. But when I see a dude saying, telling another dude that's feminine energy, that just really, really bothers me. And I don't know why it just does. It's just one of those things that's a real pet peeve of mine. The reason I say that is, is because there's a lot of guys that think that men don't have arguments or don't disagree. We should all get along. Kumbaya. It's for the greater good. I think you're wrong. Sounds and now, Yeah, exactly. And that's and you, a lot of the responses are that's feminine energy. And it just really bothers me when somebody says that. Every time I see that, I want to go usually see some faceless avatar. You know what I mean? But well, it's one of those things, man, that really bothers me. Well, I, I don't like to beat a dead horse, but there's, you know, there's a, that certain individual. Um, I, I think a lot, and I think, and I think he's pulled a lot <laughs> of the red pill community into what is really very like male, the male version of feminism. Yeah. Basically. Um, and it's very catty. And it's very, oh, you didn't, you didn't say it the right way. Mm -hmm. you, didn't, you know, you didn't use it this way. You have to all, we all have to dress the same way. You know, you can't do your pony. You know, it's just, it's, it's stupid conformist shit. And even the way that they engage with this stuff, um, which is by not engaging in any sort of direct confrontation, it's always, you know, sneaky and Look, it, you know, men, the most the most male form of, of verbal communication is debate. Like that's and I'm not I actually like conversations better than debate. I think it's healthier. Right. Mm -hmm. To have a conversation. But verbal sparring among men. I mean, you used to at all the elite universities. I mean, you used to learn debate. It used to be an important thing in Western civilization as a man to debate. And. You know, so if you're a man who's not willing to debate, then and you have ideas and you don't really you're just acting like the state, you know, when they decide to change the definition of what a recession is to say that we're not in a recession. You know, it, it's it's that kind of shit. So I don't I, I think the red pill and I'm not going to say the entire red pill, but uh, the red pill has many, many male versions of feminist and they and the third wave feminists really feed off of each other. Mm -hmm. It's like the victim Olympics. Like who's more victimized? Is it men or is it women? Well, is it victimization makes money is what I've noticed. Yep. Makes yeah. money. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's basically like women relying on the state versus men re relying on, uh, I'll say it, Rolo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same exact thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and look, this isn't to negate any of the fundamental truths about what it is to be a man. Yeah, As a man, no one gives a fuck about you, 
right? You have to prove yourself. Now you can say that you have to prove yourself. Or you can say you get to prove yourself. You get to pr- you you get to become something. You get that opportunity. I was having a chat with um, a couple guys and a couple of, of ladies a few weeks ago, and we were over fire pit and we were talking about this stuff. And I said, well, you know, it it does it does suck, right? It does suck in some ways. Like women don't understand what it's like to be a man and to have the indifference of the world, especially as you, as you, you know, man, as you get into your, your late twenties and certainly your thirties and beyond, I mean, just nobody gives, nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about you at all. They don't care about you. You're entirely on your own to prove yourself. And, and, but the thing is, if you're a beautiful woman, you get the entire world handed to you on a silver, silver platter. And it's an amazing thing. But if you're not a beautiful woman, you don't really get much of anything. You know, there is, an, so there's this envy and you see the feminist envy, the men, that men can go and prove themselves, that men can go out there and define their value. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be successful in my career and I'm going to board all my kids and I'm going to be, because nothing's going to tie me down. Right. And then you have these red pill guys who are like, look at women, pretty women get whatever they want. You know, I wish I could just be a pretty woman. They can get sex whenever they want. You know, they can get banged that's, by dads. That's, to me, that's, a male, that's a male feminist. Yeah, that's a male feminist. And that's what a lot of these red pill guys, that's how they talk. They're, it's understand what women are like, but don't, why would you envy them? I don't envy them. I love the fact that I get to define myself as a man. Like it's, it's a great thing. I, I understand that it also must be a pretty cool experience to be, you know, an attractive woman and have all this stuff, you know, offered to you. It's, it's, but it's, if you're really a man, the experience of a woman is such a foreign thing. Like I, I can conceptualize what it's like being a woman, but it's a, it's a totally logical conception. Like, I think the only men that have even some vague approximation of what it's like being a woman are very, very handsome men. Very, very handsome men. Like us. Like like us, right? I I, I think we're all right, Tony. I don't think we're quite, I don't think we're Abercrombie from the 2000s, you know? Those guys get a taste of what it's like but even even it's it's still not completely correspondent so yeah i think i think the like a male feminist to me is worse than a feminist and it's to me it's a lot of white knighting is what it is that's kind of my depiction of a male feminist you mean you mean like the like a male feminist in terms of actual feminism yeah. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, these are these are guys who are. Well, first off, I think that there's a large level of predatoriness to them. So I think I think what's interesting about this this conversation is to think about. And I was I've been writing a piece on this, and I've kind of like dropped it and come back to it. So we can just talk a bit a bit about it right now, but about patriarchy versus matriarchy, and. One of the, I think, spurious arguments that gets put around about the benefits of a matriarchy is that 
in a matriarchy, you know, everything's kumbaya and everyone, you know, it's just, it's just all love and connection and there's no real conflict and there's no, that's all bullshit. It's bullshit. It's still a hierarchy and it's still a hierarchy that men dominate the top of. It's just that what the women select for those men that get all the sexual spoils are different traits than what men select for the men who get the predominance Mm -hmm. of the sexual spoils. In a matriarchy, women will select men based on their ability to flatter and, you know, make them, you know, basically you could say make them feel emotionally connected. And look, I don't think making being able to emotionally connect with a woman is a negative thing. I think that guys should learn how to do it. I think it's part of being an integrated man. It is more of a feminine aspect. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means it's more of a feminine thing. So, and I think it makes it healthier. Let me just real jump in because there's something that you had said a few years ago that really struck me. And I, I've never heard anybody put it like this, but you, you said you have to dip your toes in the feminine. Yeah. And I, I've always liked that because to me, when the first time I heard you say that, it just, it really, what it really meant was understand the feminine. If you can't, if you can't not really, I don't, I definitely don't want to say experience it, but understand it. And to me, again, when you say dip your toes in the feminine, just like I think a woman should dip her toes in the masculine would help her understand her man. So, yeah, no, I, it's, it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent. And it's, it's also just like, if you, if you want to have a connected relationship with a woman, you're going to have to learn how to, how to connect, right. You're going to have to learn how to do that. That, that doesn't mean you spend all day doing it and you don't do anything else. You're just, you know, I, I think as a man, you can become dissipated if you're then not able to go out and do your mission. But if you're just doing your mission and the relationships is kind of a sideshow, well, you will reap what you sow from that. Now on a structural level though, the matriarchy, it's not about a man having the man's mission is, is to, you know, meet the woman's emotional needs and, you know, emotional and frankly, sexual needs. And so if she and a lot of guys, they, they, they're very seduced by this. I mean, it's a it's an appealing thing. If you're the guy, if you're Pete Davidson, you know, who for whatever reason gets selected to be the guy that all these attractive women can sleep with, you know, he gets the he gets put at the top of this pyramid, so to speak. And but, you know, do you think that Pete Davidson is someone that you would want to be? ruling the roost or would you prefer somebody like napoleon mm-hmm. you know men select hierarchies based on competence based on strength based on leadership and so and that's what a patriarchy is fundamentally now a lot of the attacks on you know let's dismantle the patriarchy really what we had prior to this big feminist push was not like a pure patriarchy. Like a pure patriarchy is what you saw in the Hijaz, which is basically Western Arabia, pre-Islamic Arabia, where you had men who had like 10, 12 women 
and they were all killing each other and women were getting basically, you know, married, but it, it was like, it, it, it was an abusive dynamic. It was, it was a very, very harsh existence. And a lot of people don't know this about Islam, but Islam was reform for a lot of this stuff. So they said, all right, look, guys, stop. You can have four wives, but you have to take care of them all equally. And if you can't take care of an additional woman, you can't marry her. And so it was like this compromise between mass polygamy, which was this extreme patriarchy and, you know, and in much more of a balanced one. In the West, we had an extremely balanced patriarchy. You could argue that it was just simply near equilibrium, ideal equilibrium, where women's emotional needs were taken care of in a relationship, but the man still led and directed. But, I mean, so you can argue that feminism took us off that equilibrium. Mm -hmm. Let so. me, um, real quick, there's a 21 super chat from uh, Deacon Little. Yeah, you know David Little, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So uh, do you want to respond to this one real quick? Yeah, well, I mean, David, this is, I 100% agree with you. And one thing I'll actually say is that a lot of women are pissed off at this stuff too, because this heavy catering to women in the workplace has led to women being kept around who really don't pull their weight, don't do. And so, yeah, it affects men, but even other women they see the dead baggage all over the workplace, women who actually do work, right? So, yeah, I think it's it's very frustrating. And it's a product of just the current um, social apparatus. My, my contention is that as the economic situations and the system collapse really gets in the full speed, this stuff is all going to stop because you can't afford to have all these bullshit positions for people who don't perform when the rubber hits the road. It's mm -hmm. been propped up by um, easy money, basically, over the past decade. So I think as that easy money disappears, I think you're going to see a lot of these uh, these jobs disappear. So kind of a blended answer, I guess. But Yeah, thanks for responding to that. I want to recognize the super chats on 21 studios mm -hmm. yeah it's funny let's go into the workplace now because one of the things the statistics that i found in my research and you know i research things before i talk about them we all think of feminism and and when you think of like workplace now based on statistics women are 21 percent more likely to report unfair treatment from fellow female co-workers mm -hmm which I was a little surprised to see that because I think when you hear the, everybody hears the word feminist, it's only about men, but that's not what I've been seeing here. It's really women beating on other women. Kind of. I mean, that's kind of what I get. This is especially true when the hierarchy, um, women are, and it's not across the board. It's not 100%. Of course, nothing's ever 100%, but, a lot of women are very, very vicious to any kind of competition in the workplace. Um, and a lot of, because a lot of women 
will view their ascension, you know, the, they're moving up in the workplace and they connect themselves to men. And so they view other women as a competition to moving up the ladder. Um, they may also feel like they didn't have the same kind of help, so they don't want to give it to others. But it's more the former. It's more that these women feel like they have um, that 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 the the, the new up and comers are a threat to them and their position, and they really stamp the boot on them. Also, even just among women in kind of parallel positions, I mean. I think everybody's getting Amber Heard may have like helped to break open the normie mind virus on this stuff. But my God, how are people so fucking blind that they it's like they like women don't lie. What do you mean? Women don't lie. Women don't do, you know, mean things like are you fucking kidding me. This is like women are are cutthroat. They're vicious to each other. They just stab you in the back. They don't do it to your front. You know, men are overtly competitive, but actually cooperative. Well, why, men... do you think, why do you think that was so broadly publicized, the whole Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing? We know it's because of Johnny Depp. I mean, if that was the average guy, it would have never probably ever made it to court. But I think that it actually opened some people's eyes is what it did. Yeah, I think it was just you had you had just such a like a tempestuous celebrity drama. I, I don't think they could resist it, mm -hmm. honestly, especially when you have stuff like, you know, her shitting the bed and, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it's just like yeah, she's never going to live down Amber Turd. I mean, her last Amber name Turd, yeah. heard. Yeah. So. I mean, she's put on a little bit of weight. I mean, she's still like, you know, attractive, but she used to be really hot, mm -hmm. like really, really hot. So you have this like super hot girl who's like you know dated elon musk even i mean really has had this sort of femme fatale reputation there's a lot of drama around it but um but yeah it's like this is part of the big lie this is the part of the big lie that women are not capable of this kind of stuff and the first people who will tell you it's a lie are other women like so it, it's it's kind of like it's just shoved down our throats that, oh, you can't say this. Oh, you know, but, but men will have a confrontation and they will, um, you know, they might, they might scream at each other and then it gets worked out. Or if they become enemies, they become enemies, you know, they become rivals, but it's, it's not this sort of like petty bullshit that you see really happen with, with women. I mean, women tear each other down over really, really petty shit. I mean, let's, let's get into the meat, meat and potatoes of this whole thing right now. Again, it's the truth about dating and feminism. So to, to your, I guess your thought process, what is the number one thing that feminism has done with dating? I'll, I'll kind of give you, I'll give you my, take on it quick i think it's it's um the word simp has evolved from feminism mm -hmm. that's kind of my first take on it so i'll let you go so what is the, like the main thing that feminism is destroying in dating and then i want to get into marriage not like getting married but if you're already in a marriage sure so let's talk about dating right now 
Well, I'll actually take maybe an unexpected direction. I, I think it's destroyed connection. Okay. Because feminism is such a defensive, it's like a defense mechanism. And so if you're, if you're on a date with a feminist, you, it immediately becomes apparent that you can't be yourself. You can't speak freely because you have to be really sensitive to her and you have to walk on eggshells around mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Um, so that's the, I mean, at least, at least with women who identify as it, right? Like you might, you might be on a date with a more conservative girl who hates feminists, but is maybe a little bit more like what this feminist wishes they were like, and, and you might not have that same problem, mm -hmm. but what, what you, and I've seen this over and over again with clients is that they'll go on a date with a girl and it's like whatever, and this is a little bit off from feminism, but it's all the same kind of thing, which is like, whatever the current thing is, they have to check you for it. Mm -hmm. check to make sure that you're in compliance with whatever the current thing is and stuff with Trump in particular, you know, was a huge trigger for so many women. I mean, it didn't mean that you couldn't sleep with those women, but it feminism in general has made men way more um, sensitive to, to a woman's ego and that's what, to your point, Tony, about them becoming simps is that if you start to become sensitive to a woman's ego, then it gradually morphs you into a creature that exists to appease her ego. And that's why we have these sort of weak men today, these simps today. It's, it's completely downstream of feminism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that that's another word that I just I don't know. It, it just bothers me. I think it's thrown out there a little bit too much. Simp and feminine energy are two of the biggest words you see in a lot of chats. And and I think it's man, to me, it's just that's part of I don't know that word. Those couple words just bother me. I don't think they're used in context most of the time. I think there's a need for those words. And those phrases, but they're not used in context, you know? So when, let's say a guy's on a date and a woman is telling him first date, telling this guy her political views, I'm going to say that most guys are going to really not even political views. We'll say moral views. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I got to put this the right way. So how... What they'll do is they will bend quite a bit, basically, to get in their pants. And I think that's probably probably a fair assumption with most guys. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I think to, to mix success. I mean, look, it has to be said, if you understand game you can totally agree with a woman on these things and it, and you can use it to your advantage to get laid. I mean, I put out this tweet the other day about, you know, women beware if he identifies as a male feminist, there's a better than even chance he's a sexual predator. <laughs> and, I saw that. That was a good tweet. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's true though. Like those guys I've seen in spirituality communities, which are, you know, very feminine communities. You have the guy who gets in to the matriarchy 
right? He gets into the matriarchy and he's like, I'm here for you women. Don't worry about anything. I'm here for you girls. And if he doesn't act in a placating way in other stuff, but just tells them what they want to hear, then he can totally get into their pants because they're like, oh my God, this guy's the exception to all those other asshole guys that, you know, out there, he really understands feminism and wait a minute, what the fuck? Why is he beating me? <laughs> because I mean, you know, he won't let me leave the house, like, you know, but he really supports the feminist cause, you know, it's, it's this kind of dissonant stuff, but from a one night stand perspective, a lot of guys will chameleon mm-hmm. and go into it because, you know, gain into a political argument isn't going to get you laid. Um, now I will say this, it can get you laid if, if not necessarily getting into an argument, but simply just being like, whatever, like, and, and really tapping into the masculine side of things and dealing with the tension, but you will have to maneuver that tension at some point. And I will say that with a lot of these women, you're going to be dealing with so much dissonance that these girls like it's going to be hit or miss you might waste your night dealing with a girl who's attracted to you but also like needs to desperately um you know change you mm-hmm. because you're confusing her patterning about what an attractive guy is so she has to keep trying to find reconciliation for it so you'll have to give her some kind of out with that you know yeah. something to bring the two of you back together uh, if you want to, if you want to sleep with her. Yeah, I like yeah. what Jay says here. That's a good comment. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to, yeah, it, it is a good comment. It is a good comment, Jay, but I'll say you don't have to go against your own principles. Yeah. It's just that this is, you know, this isn't, it, it's an approach you can take. You can, like, you can very much go against her, create all this tension, but then you have to bring the two of you back together. You have to find some reconciliation, but you know, okay, we disagree about Trump, but you know, like, I I don't think women should vote, but I do think that, you know, I do agree that chocolate cake is the best, (laughs) So we have chocolate cake. We're going to get divorced maybe down the line, but there's already a lot of sparks and you have to pivot the whole dynamic to bring the two of you back together and harness that tension um it can totally be done it can totally be done but for a lot of guys because they don't like handling tension they'd prefer just to go the the sneaky route yeah and the tension is good i think a lot of guys don't understand that tension is good that back and forth is 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 really that's you know that's kind of a push and pull which you need Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of guys are afraid to to have the push and pull they just want to agree, you know? I mean, it, it, maybe I'm just too removed from it at this point, but I mean, I, I I can't imagine not expressing myself to get laid. Like, I, I, I just can't at this point think for, like, I, I would have contempt <laughs> in the situation to have compromised it. So anyway, I, I, and I think it's important to have that stuff too, because you, you know, when it comes to dating, there's tactics and there's strategy Mm -hmm. and 
my big gift in dating is is really focusing on strategic picture like there's all sorts of tactical things you can do you know tact different ways to get to get there but it's only getting you to the first point and then down the line it actually creates more problems you want to get used to being yourself you want to be get used to expressing yourself fearlessly and you also want within the dating context you want to end up you want to be spending your time sharing your your seed and your energy with women who you don't you know you don't want to be doing that with women you don't have respect for it's my personal opinion i think it over time and we all make mistakes right but over time it starts to accrue and you get lower quality women and you feel worse about yourself and you start to hate yourself because you're settling for stuff that you know you have to put on an act it's not really who you are you're living a, a lie and you have shame you start to internalize shame and it's a path that really leads you. It, it's, it leads you in a bad direction. A lot of the guys I work with, I have to pull out of that. They're so knotted with shame and they're like, well, why am I bad with women? It's like, well, at this point you're bad with women because you've been completely hiding who you are. So the way to masculinity is not to take that approach because that's, that's the way to the long house as you know, bronze age pervert would say that's towards a matriarchy is when you start the process of appeasing a woman's ego to get sex from her, you're, you're going down to the matriarchy. You're not going towards the patriarchy. <laughs> Depends on what she looks like. Jay's, hey. got, Jay's got some good comments. Good comments, Jay. Yeah, I like yeah, it does. Yeah, I think a lot of people will bend on their politics if she looks good. Uh, and, and I guess sometimes that's okay. But, you know, again, we're talking about we're talking about dating right now. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, let me, let me just make a, a, a real point though. If she's, if she's very attractive, she's very attractive. You're probably even better off standing up to her yeah, because she's used to it. It's, it's actually the appeasement game works best on like the sixes and sevens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's funny, man. I like Jay. You had some great comments here so far tonight. So let me. Uh, self-made says he just ghosts vegetarians. <laughs> That's a good one. And Ojit, he's he's always good in the chat, man. Easy way to repel. I'm going wear a MAGA hat. That's great. Well, let's dive into marriage. Let's say you're married now. You're married. You're you're happily married for, we'll just, I'll throw a number, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Have the kids, kids are going to daycare, wife starts working again. The feminist ideology is just pouring in her brain every day at the office. She comes home acting different. What do you do? So what I would say here is that if she's, if that stuff is okay. So let's go back to the initial analogy of the woman being a receptacle. Mm -hmm. So if she's being filled with this stuff and she's receiving it, that means she hasn't been either a receiving the proper, I don't want to use the term, but proper instruction, proper kind of ways of thinking. So that's something that you've not been doing, obviously. And the second part of it is that, she hasn't herself developed 
enough of an independent sense of self to be able to resist like very, very low level social pressure. Now I'm not naive about female nature. Women are always going to be influenced by social pressure. Men are too, to a lesser extent than the aggregate woman. But a woman who like, so as a man, and this actually applies to children as well, but as a man, I was talking about this actually with uh, my last interview with Noah Ravoy. You're, you want your woman and children, you don't want them to just sort of do what you say. You want them to be in alignment with you. You mm -hmm. want them to develop their own sense of thinking. You, so it, so it, it sounds to me like when these kind of situations present themselves, you have a guy who's kind of on the, on the box checking thing. And so maybe he's got some level of, um, can, you know, control over, you know, the woman's relatively feminine because she doesn't have a career or anything. She's never really done much. She has no real sense of herself. The guy isn't really connecting with her on an intimate level, really isn't showing direct masculine engagement with her. He's just kind of like the guy and he makes money. So he has more authority, whatever. So that when she goes off into that environment, she's like, well, I don't really feel connected to my man. And I don't, you know, and this is the first time I felt like I matter. Really, like I'm actually doing something for myself. I'm making some money for myself. And so it's easy for her to then get pulled into that whole world, that whole environment. And so what you do with it is that I think you actually need to focus on first off, it's a wake up call, but you need to focus more on, 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 okay, what is something she needs development. She needs to have more development of herself. So how can you guide that in a way that isn't destructive to the marriage? You know, what kind of, you guys aren't connecting very much. So maybe you need to take more time for the relationship and the focus on that. So her energy is not going into this resentment vacuum. That's the sort of first uh, salvo I'd say on that topic. What do you think of this comment right here? I don't believe feminism is to blame. Lack of intelligence is to blame. I think it's a, I think it's a really good comment. Um, you know, cause it's in this, it, I, I, I would say, it's it's certainly discernment, right? It's discernment, and it, this goes back to the whole point of an individualized woman. So if you're if you haven't learned, you might have a high IQ, but if you can't learn to think for yourself, are you really intelligent? I mean, it's kind of a semantic question, but I bring it up because I spent a lot of time with people who you know you, you can't say these people aren't really high IQ. They are really really high IQ. Okay, Ivy League kids, very, very high IQ, but a lot of them don't think for themselves because to get to an Ivy League school, you need to follow a very, very complicated and intense set of rules. <laughs> Basically, you got to really, really perform within certain parameters and then you get rewarded with this, you know, little badge, you get a little shield, you know, that tells you what Ivy League school you went to. And so those people are intelligent, but they can't think for themselves. So it's it's the idea that women 
can't think for them. If they don't think for themselves, they'll get sucked into feminism because they're, they're outsourcing their thinking to a yet another thing, but this time it flatters their ego and their sense that, well, I don't really know who I am. I don't really like, I've never seen really, really confident women don't talk about feminism. Mm-hmm. Just never talk about it. It's, it's, it's kind of absurd to them. Yeah, I thought that was a that was a good comment right there. I like it's that. A very good comment. Let's see what else we got. Uh, oh, let me say hi to Watcher. Watcher, good to see you, my man. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, I want to welcome everybody. A lot of new faces from Twenty One Studios, man. Appreciate everybody jumping in and talking with me and Pat tonight. Really talking with Pat tonight. I'm just the. I'm just the moderator and the guy asking the questions tonight. So uh, that is our professional. So, but um, so what is the, what do you think is the biggest, I'll say the biggest, what's the word I'm looking for? The biggest result of feminism. In other words, what's the worst results of feminism right now in the U S as of today? Destruction of the family. Okay. That's a great answer. Yeah. And go ahead and expound on that a little. Well, I, and I think that is <clears throat> the primary objective of at least the, the mm-hmm. activists is the destruction of the family. Because when they talk about the patriarchy, what they really mean is male presence in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they want it r- removed completely. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's obviously not a good thing, but this this whole process, I mean, this is why I just call it what it is. Like people have been using all sorts of different terminology and I've used them even over the years, you know, people talking about cultural marxism and like let's just call it what it is. It's communism. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same thing. They just put different little veneers on it. But you destroy a country by destroying the family because countries are made up of families. And so the objective is to make women and men hate each other and not trust each other so that then they don't really have kids at all. But to the extent that they do have kids, that those marriages, they come out of broken dynamics. So then the kids are traumatized by it. And then they have all sorts of broken attachment. And then when they have broken attachment and they feel negative about themselves and you can force feed more propaganda into them. So one of the things about all this destruction of the family and it's designed to collapse individuals identities, because if you can collapse someone's identity, you're able to reprogram them. That's actually a major reason for this push about all sorts of, you know, various sexual identities is because if you can make someone confused about their own sexual identity, you've basically completely broken their brain and you can shove whatever you want into there and they become total, um, you know, total emissary, you know, they, they become like easy revolutionaries mm-hmm. or whatever kind of thing you want to do because, and then they become so far removed from what a healthy family situation looks like they begin to hate the entire family system because they blame it on that because what they're told is the family system is what was painful to them. 
in that put them in the state. So they don't even know what a good family looks like. Now, the and, and this is something I, I think it's really so important to say because I we we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And it's very easy in this community, this red pill space, to see the hate being thrown at us by a lot of you know hurt and broken women, and then to not simply understand what's actually going on, but then to feel our own sort of hate and resentment and throw it back on them. So it's like, well, women are just going to act upon us and take from us. So then I have to go act upon women and take from them. And that actually just continues the cycle. I understand how to date like that. I did it a little bit myself. I'm very aware of the process of how to, how to game a girl and to, to push on her pain triggers to get her to do certain things. I don't think it's constructive. I don't think it'll make you feel good about yourself. You can use those same triggers to heal a woman. You can't do this with every woman. I'm not saying every woman, but you can do this to heal many women. You and those women can both heal together and you can fix this attachment. To Jay's question, how do we get it back? The nuclear family is all but gone now. I have a view of history things only go so far before they swing back the other direction. And we've already started to see this swing back the other direction. We are seeing in Gen Z, Gen Z is a, is complete destruction. I mean, that dating scene is complete destruction. And the re result of it is a lot of people saying, fuck this entire game and a lot of people are actually going to heal and they're trying to figure out they're they're just they're completely done with the system they're completely done with the way that things are operating it will recover and it will recover especially when when we you know guys here start to set examples for it start to paint a way forward there's going to be a lot of wreckage not everybody's going to make it but I can tell you that um, casual sex culture has really, it's, it's hit its nadir. We, we've hit the bottom yep. and we're already on the way out of it. It's not exciting to people anymore. People are jaded by it. People sex, like it's, they're actually increasingly disgusted by it. And I know that a lot of the young people still aren't there yet, but there's, the, the ones that are, are so fixated. They're so focused, right? They're so focused on getting out of it. Everything is, is going to be, is going to be swinging the other direction. And there's going to be a big cleanup that's going to occur. Not everybody's going to make it, but a lot of us are going to make it. And I think anybody who wants to make it will make it, frankly, you know, assuming they haven't done, got, you can get monkey pox or something like that. You know, <laughs> they don't think you'll make it. I'm an optimist, but I'm also, I'm also realistic. I mean, I, I know how bad it is. I just already have seen like when people get to this level of frustration, that's good. That's what you want to see. It's when people are still like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, more, you know, trannies or something like that. That's when like, that's when, you know, it's, it's, we still got ways to go and we're past it. People are so, sick and disgusted of the whole thing yeah 
Jay, thank you for your questions and comments, man. A lot of good questions and comments. Let me take a look down here, see if I missed anybody. Yeah. Yeah, so what I'm going to do next is I am, if if uh, you guys are watching on 21 Studios right now, you're not familiar with my channel, but what I do is I put the live link in the chat so you can come on and talk with Pat about feminism and dating and maybe any other questions that you have. So I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. You just follow the, the uh, directions here and... Uh, going to post that right now and I'll pin it when it pops up on my end. So if you guys want to come in, talk to Pat, I'm going to ask that uh, that you uh, hopefully come on without an avatar tonight. There are guys I do know that do have avatars and that's all right. But if you do have an avatar, I'm going to have to put up the shield and you're going to have to ask your questions. So uh, we don't, we don't get any trolls. So because if you're not familiar with my channel, I get a lot, especially when, <laughs> I, especially when I open up the panel. So I'm going to pin that message to the top of the chat. So right in the top is a StreamYard link. You want to come on, join the panel, join the conversation. Any of my regular guys you want to jump on, now's the time. I'll see you pop in backstage. So, but um, yeah, let's continue on. Um, let me see what else I got in my notes here. Okay, there's a question that I had. Is is uh, is this a result of feminism? Is women having sex and still putting you in the friend zone? Okay, I've got uh, three guys. I'm going to bring on. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the shield up anyways, just because. <laughs> I see one. I see the other one, and uh, just 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 because. I, I uh, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good, uh, let me think of a good shield to put up here. Is this a good one? Yeah, there's a good one. So, uh, Caduceus, is that you? Yes, it is. So is this where I show you my penis? Nope, I hope not. <laughs> Self-made, okay. I know that's you. And uh, Watcher, I know that's you. So. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, I got somebody else backstage. Let me see who it is here. It's Muhammad. Okay, I know Muhammad. I'll bring him back on. I'll bring him on. And let's go, boys. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. Hello, hello. Yeah, welcome, guys. Welcome. And uh, glad to have you on the stream with Pat Stedman. So, whoever wants to go first, let's go for it. I was gonna go. Hey, I was going to go first because I want to get back down to the chat and moderate on Tony's side. Um. If selective services for women was passed like they were trying to pass, which I think would de degrade the military anyway, but wouldn't that negate feminism, the first wave feminism? That's for Pat. Well, um, I, I think that. So I just did that. That didn't pass. I knew that that was an idea. Yeah, it, did, yeah, it didn't pass, which which is like, in my own opinion, is a good thing because in our armed services, I don't think we need a full stock woman brigade, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably would have been indifferent to it one way or another because it's kind of accelerationist, <laughs> you know, in a certain sense. And true. And so, but I, yeah, yeah. So in Ukraine right now, um, women are getting conscripted. And I don't think 
very often yet put in frontline service, although it has been happening. And I mean, if anyone's familiar with what's really going on in Ukraine, it's it's just a meat grinder. It's <clears throat> Ukraine's losing a battalion, 600 men a day, dead. Um, they've already suffered 100,000 casualties. So I think if you had that, um, if, if you were to have a war like that with female conscription, I, th- I think you would... I think women would be pretty Russian to give up a lot of rights <laughs> to avoid that situation because they're, they're super not cut out for it. Not that women can't shoot, not that, you know, women, I'm not taking away anything. There's always, but your average woman, um, your average man for that matter is not cut out to be under sustained artillery fire. <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what I was getting at. But wouldn't it, if it really did pass and we had no objection, you know what I mean? Um, would that uh, just dismantle first wave feminism because now they don't have the right to vote? I mean, they well, have the right to vote, but there's a reason, there's a good reason that the sign up for the selective service, which I think is a bad idea, like we both just discussed. So, what is the solution on that? Well, I think if I, I don't think them being eligible for selective service would in itself dismantle first wave feminism. But I think if you were to have that occur in a wartime setting, then you'd start to see women um, really protesting to try to get out of it that, oh, we don't, women aren't meant for this stuff. We shouldn't be having this stuff. We shouldn't. And, and that could plausibly lead to a, a restructuring. But, the re, but I think the reality is that they would try to still vote, but, you know, not put themselves in in rough situations. And so it's more likely that, you know, a polity that's at that point of political discussion during a war is probably likely to lose the war. (laughs) So, um, well, we just see what happened with Roe v versus Wade and like, all right, you know, they're screaming, Oh, you know, our rights are taken away and Hey, it's their their body, their choice. So what, what fight in the game do I have to fight for them on that one? So we see how they acted towards that. So if they took the right to vote away, could you just imagine? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that the only way that you would get women to lose the right to vote would be, I, I still think in the end, it's only going to happen in some sort of real societal stress and collapse because otherwise women you know, women are not, if you were to give them like the, the argument of, well, either let yourself have abortions or, you know, lose the right to, I just, I, I don't, right to vote is so embedded in all of their even protesting that they should have the right to decide all this stuff. So you're going to have to see women decide like, wait a minute, I don't want any of this stuff that I thought I wanted. And you already are seeing that actually occur, that women are complaining about how long they have to work and how, you know, they don't have time for anything and they're drained of energy and that maybe, you know, they don't want to work full time. They just want to work part time. But this is all them complaining about stuff. It's not about them getting rid of their, you know, right to vote. I don't I don't know that somebody's some male politician might say, look, we'll, we'll fix all this stuff for you. Just give up the right to vote. 
Um, I, I don't think it could go about that. You'd have to use some kind of trickery to, to get them to do it. You know, what <laughs> I, I'll just, I'll just make a comment that, um, you know, bronze age pervert in his book talked about the way to deal with women voting was just to be like a very, you know, handsome demagogue that would, <laughs> that would, you know, you could get, you could look, Women voted more than men for the Nazi party. In Germany. Mm. So, you know, it's, <laughs> we'll just leave that there. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It's like gotten taken over. You know, even the studies show that if it was the women were voting, the, it would, the whole government system wouldn't be swayed a different way right now. But I was just, I just wanted to ponder on that a little bit and just hear what you had to say about it. But I'll yes. get back down in the chat, guys. Thanks, Good guys. Questions. Thank you for that. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Um, I see Bill Blast backstage. I'll bring you on in a second. But I just want to kind of, when you had said, like, women in the military, I remember my first, when I say first big job, my first big job when I was hired to, to build this big building as a superintendent. My boss, when I was hiring as far as laborers and different people for the job, and <laughs> I remember when everybody was out there and, you know, I was kind of doing interviews and first thing he said to me is no women, like no, <laughs> women, none, not because he wasn't afraid of them not doing the work. He, he was afraid that it would interrupt work. He told me, he said, I didn't, he said, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter what they look like. Somebody's going to want to fuck them on the job. It's just that simple. And so he's like, just no women at all for laborers. So, and the job went smooth. It's, but I, you know, I, to me, that kind of aligns with the whole military thing. So, well, um, it, I'll just I'll make a comment. It it does affect um, camaraderie. It mm -hmm. it affects dynamics. This is very well known, and this is why I think to date they've still managed to prevent women from being in combat units because it. Although you know, they keep pushing, they keep pushing because it really disrupts how men even act in the unit because it's like if you see it if a woman's under if the woman in the in the unit is under fire you know the man is maybe more inclined to to do something to not think in terms of mission parameters because there's a woman there um even if he's not like a simp or anything like that right it used the word even if he's not like it's just very much wired into men to protect women mm -hmm. and um and you know i think it also af affects the the communication among the men some rare women will you know manage to be enough of one of the guys to not really disrupt that so much but there's still then the the sexual aspect of it that gets in the way and you know enlisted women in the military tend to get pregnant <laughs> so <laughs> out of wedlock uh it's it's a it's a meme about them on deployments. I wouldn't want to be the boyfriend back at home with yeah. an enlisted woman. Officers may be a different story, but anyway, it's yeah. I don't want to digress. They, it affects it affects the dynamics. Now, as it, it's a philosophical question, that okay, so women affect the dynamics in a workplace, but does that impact on the dynamics? warrant them being excluded from it is the impact enough that 
it's it's worth violating their you know rights to be able to to work and do something uh no i i i think in the in the case of the military my argument would be no but in a civilian sector i would argue yeah i mean i don't think that you should be able to ban women from working there but i think that you should also as an employer have the choice about whether you want to to hire or not i i'm not necessarily i'm i'm more of a free market person there because when you start to impose mandates on well you know you have to hire this person you have to it just you get all sorts of distortions and anyway that's where we're david little i see your i'm going to get to your uh, uh 21 super chat here in a second i just want to look at the new comment here yeah and you guys uh subscribe to pat's channel for sure check him out thank you. thank you yeah also some other regular guys self-made check out his channel he just had a did a great short about uh making sandwiches i'll just leave it at that but uh Not yeah really. check out self-made's channel for sure <laughs> so nice but, psa oh oh hang on one second and phone is ringing um anyways um let me uh let me bring on a new guy bill bill are you ready unmute your mic if you would and i'm gonna bring you on here i'm gonna i'm gonna have to put up a shield my man until uh all right bill hello yeah bill yep, right here okay how you doing good how are you good did you come good, in from, good uh did you come in from 21 studios no 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 um i just i i i've seen a lot of your videos and i just i was on live and i was listening for a little while really enjoyed it. the conversation it seemed pretty good and i just want to make a comment if i could to your guest absolutely Matt. absolutely okay I mean, I really enjoy his input, and but I do have to dis, uh, disrespectfully disagree with him a little bit about the return of the nuclear family. I don't see that happening. I don't see that ever coming back. I think uh, as the norm of a nuclear family, the, how it was in the 50s, I think those days are long gone because um, traditional marriage, you know, oh, I'm sorry about this. Hold up, uh, background noise. Um, traditional marriage required the woman to be a virgin. That's how it was in the 50s, you know. The husband she married was her first man and that's you know you see it with her great grandparents their, their their marriages last until death do they part but the statistics bear out the marriages nowadays they're just not lasting i think it's like well like half of the marriages don't even last five years i, I read somewhere and i don't see that changing i just the, i just see society as a whole adapting differently like men i could see them getting into surrogacy having a surrogate mother to have uh to have kids you know and, and just abandoning marriage altogether but i wanted to get your opinion on that I, I really appreciate that comment. And I think it's it's worth doing some distinctions here. So th the first thing I'd say is just, um, and, and this is this is more of a nitpicky thing, but I think it's important because it's used a lot. The 1950s were not the norm of relationships ever throughout history. 1950s is a very big aberration period because you had this thing where women wouldn't do anything and they just kind of sit at home. You also had exceptionally high marriage rates. You had about 90% of couples married versus the standard 80%, which, um, you know, so I, I just make that comment because I think when when we look at, at the 1950s as what we would be going back to, I, I almost think that that in itself, like, was very, very tenuous. There was high rates of antidepressant usage at that time period. Women, 
I think their natural state for most women is to is to work part time, and the other part part of the time is with the family. Um, if you had like a family farm, it was always women. Women worked. It was just division of labor. They worked on different things than men. Um, so I just want to make that point because it's not directly related to what you're saying. And so we'll get into that with the nuclear family. So the nuclear family in that kind of old school capacity, I agree is, is probably gone because if you're looking at it from the lens of, you know, um, America mid century with, you know, suburbia and you got like the three kids and the, and the parents, I, I don't know that it's going to return to something quite that, that simple. But when we look at the, the complete collapse in the dating market and the um, divorce rates and the divorce rates being what they are for the people who even do get married, this comes down to a broken attachment. So people like, I'll just respectfully say with the, with the virgin stuff, the virgin stuff was a proxy for people having secure attachment, emotion, being able to emotionally bond with each other and, and connect to that person. And the fact that women have been promiscuous, it's a, it's a, it, it's correlates to that. But when people deal with their attachment issues, those problems stop. Divorces occur because people have, inability to connect with each other they're they're too broken they're too afraid they're too shut down they have on you know they're acting on each other against each other versus with each other and what i'm seeing is a generation of people who want to heal that's what i'm seeing i'm seeing a generation of people who grew up in a near dystopia and they're like they don't want what you described about, you know, surrogacy and, you know, world economic forums plans for us to eat bugs. They don't want that. Nobody wants that. And so I, I see on a grassroots level, people, people are getting into all sorts of stuff and maybe it's kind of weird, like body work and, but everybody's trying to heal. They're trying to heal themselves physically from all the, you know, pollution that we've been given in our food supply environmentally and they're trying to heal themselves emotionally. And so I I am optimistic in that I see this turning because 10 years ago, there wasn't this kind of awareness of it. People were still in the, well, I don't know why things are getting worse, you know? And, and in the early years of the red pill, that was like, here's why things are getting worse. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, this is why I wake the fuck up. But the even many of the mainstream people are starting to get to this point where they're like, really, this is like, this can't keep going on. And so that's my optimistic reason that there's the spring backs already beginning, but um, it's going to take work and not everybody's going to get there. Jody has a comment here. It's funny while you guys were talking, this is one of the things actually I was thinking about right when he said that Mm -hmm. you got to have babies and have a future. This, this is another really good point, which is that the people you, so when we say that some aren't going to do it, some are the ones who are doing Uh it are all, I won't say all, but preponderance of them want to have kids and usually a lot of kids. There's sort of like a desire to 
okay, I'm, I'm fixing my relationship and I want to have, I want to expand that. And a lot of them are even, you know, connecting through things like online, you know, Twitter, whatever, Instagram, they're even really syncing up with each other. Uh, there's more and more people pulling out of the failing school systems because the counter argument, of course, would be, well, you can have as many babies as you want, but they're just going to, you know, take a couple of them through the brainwashing. But it's important that you raise your kids with awareness of how this stuff works, how they manipulate. And if you and if you can raise them with the awareness of that, not just tell them like, oh, get married and, you know, like be a good citizen. You know, if you actually teach them like, yeah, here's how they're lying to you. Think about it. Then you inoculate them against this kind of stuff. So yeah, keep them out of the public indoctrination system. Yeah. Yeah. Or at a minimum, if you have to put them into it, make sure that they're equipped to deal with what they're facing in there. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just throw them in there and, and expect them not to get it. Yeah. yeah so. I went to a trade school. So, yeah. All right. So, mm-hmm. so the original, what led to this whole thing, Bill Blast was disagreeing with the trend changing. That's where we started. And then that was your response to that. Correct. Yeah. I think yeah. that the trend is, I think the trend is changing. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's getting worse. Yeah, I think like as, as a, as a younger guy from what I'd see is that you're, you're getting frustration on one end and you're getting apathy on another in a lot of areas where like, it's just like, Hey, it's like a lot of guys are like, Hey, this is how it is. Um, but I'm just not gonna, I'm not going to fall into the common pitfalls that I've seen a lot. Some people, it's their fathers, other people's their brothers, sometimes their friends because they've seen guys get crushed before. Uh, but an issue that I see is that the majority of like, I, I, I wouldn't say majority as a large chunk of guys that are just thirsty Mm-hmm. will come over, like drink your beer, act like your buddy, and then have a smear campaign behind your back. Um, but the funny thing about it, though, is like that smear campaign, like actually like makes like the smear campaign actually helps you because it's like all press is good press in that kind of way. But they're doing that. They're, they're willing to stab you in the back just as much. They're not as cooperative as you'd say men are inherently because there will I, I guess it's like the sexual feminization like their their sexual gratification like they're not sexually gratified so they're they're throwing you under the bus for that as like a priority over working together with you mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're in like a feminized state that they're they're actually behaving like women and they're hoping that it'll reward yeah. them like women um i mean look I, I totally understand the perspective. I, I, I get this from people even on the macro. And it's kind of like you have to look at it from depends on how you're looking at it. Because look, we can look at it on a national level, things are obviously getting worse. And they're gonna get a lot worse. They're gonna get a yeah. lot worse. But does that mean that the tide has tur- has not turned? If when when the the tide turns, it's not yeah. like every it's, it's- it's not like a pendulum. You could have an inflection point that turns you a different way. You could take a corkscrew. You don't have to go up or down. You could take a new right. path. Right. Exactly. Uh, what I what I see is I see more people awake than ever, and I see that growing at a very rapid level. 
yeah, I do too. I, I, I think what it is though too, Pat, is a lot of times people are blinded by the circles that they're in. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't tend to go outside the circle or their circle of friends or they're mm-hmm. so stuck. So they're they're used to some of these we'll call them ideologies, like it's kind of the it's it's over theory, where it's not always over. Maybe change your, you know, change your uh you know, your direction, change where you're living, change a lot of things, change your geography, and maybe people's eyes will be opened. Yeah, it's it's kind of like if a building's on fire and you're one of the few people who looks at it and you're like, hey, the building's on fire. Like, we got to get people out of this building that's on fire. And nobody notices or pays attention to it. And the fire's getting worse. Can you, are you saying that when the fire then gets to a point where it's really getting intense, but now like a lot of people are like, man, this place is on fire. Like, I view that as progress in the sense that there are now people galvanized to do something, yeah. even though uh, the fire itself has gotten worse. Uh, yeah, from from my perspective, if if we're using that analogy, for me, like I'd see it like uh, there's another analogy I have. It's like the herd of buffalo running off the cliff kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're going to use this burning building analogy, uh, so I'd be more parallel with you, um, I'm going to get the fuck out of that building right away. But I'm going to mark my path. So if someone wants to follow it, they can. But if they don't, like that's like it might be hard for me if I'm like if I'm out of the building and I'm on the streets on my own. It'd be better to have a team. But if more people follow the path, the better. If not, I'm not gonna get third degree burns or die trying to pull someone out. Yeah, I, I don't mean that. I, I mean it just it, you you can use it that way. What I mean is that people are getting out of the building. Like the building is gonna burn. Like like I, I don't have any dispute with people about this and i think this is where people get hung up the system's going to cra- collapse like it's 100 percent going to collapse there's that is it's not gonna we're not going to reverse things in that sense but those of us who get out of the building and who have like you know we know how to build a building we'll build a new building again and that is where we're going and that's why i'm optimistic i don't want like i don't view it as better five yeah, ten years yeah. ago. now now here's another thought do you think that the someone else has already built a building and they're just burning this one down so then you move into theirs yes but i also think <laughs> we're getting in layers of analogy here for people uh, yeah. yes i i do i and i think that you know i mean I, I believe what they say which is the great reset i mean i know that they're burning down the system to try to create a new one i don't think most people are going to I don't think they're going to get the consent for people to come into their new building that's like, you know, preset with <laughs> explosives or whatever for everybody. I I believe that people have woken up by and large to the whole scheme. Those who are like, this building's on fire, I'm getting the fuck out. Most of them are not like, I'm going to go in the same people in the in this new place that they have set up for us. So I'm an optimist. I, I don't believe they're, they're going to pull it off. I think we're going to see revolutions across the world in the coming years. But yeah, Hi, hi Pat. This is Mohammed. How are you but, doing? Thanks hey, for Mohammed, coming in. Let me, let me pause yeah. you. Hey, Mohammed. Mohammed, let me pause you for one second because I got a 21 super chat here from David Little. Okay. And I, I just want Pat to address this. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Go for it. Go over. What steps do I take as a 40-year-old man break the nice guy talk with women? I have trouble communicating desire for them. Um... 
so what I would say is that it, I would, I would ask what kind of stuff do you say to them right now? Like, what is, what is the kind of nice guy, what kind of nice guy placating talk are you doing at the moment? I think it's important to push the line, like it's kind of like ripping a mandate off, um, telling a woman how you feel about them, even if it's done in a really like, oh, I think you're, you know, I wanted to ask you out. I think you're cute. It's like kind of cringy maybe if you say it the wrong way, but even just doing that and like maybe trying to, to move things forward with a girl, um, telling her you find her attractive it may come across in a very awkward way, but I think a lot of it's just like, you've just got to get, you just got to break out of like, I can't say anything that's going to offend her. I can't say anything that's going to affect her negatively. Like when I was breaking myself out of that programming, you, you know, honestly, one of the popular methods is to just be really cocky. You know, the cocky, funny method that David D'Angelo had back in the day to really just, act kind of like a bit of an asshole around women um, and just talk yourself up. And it, it's not like clean, but it can start to, you'll start to see women respond to you to some degree differently. And I'm looking a little bit into this to where I think when I see this question, I tend to think a little bit that he might be afraid of rejection, which is you really have to be okay with that. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Pat, do you think that's good advice, though, for David? Because if there's no physical attraction, let's just say, with the woman, couldn't that come across as being a little bit creepy creepy and offensive? Well, I, I would imagine. No, I get that. I get that. But mm-hmm. I think that if a woman's talking to him, I'm going to go ahead and say that the attraction is already there. I think he's having a problem communicating the desire back. That's the way I'm taking this question. I mean, we're all oh, going okay. to. I, I think, yeah, because I think, you know, we can all kind of agree that if attraction isn't there, like a lot of times it's just a waste of time. And then again, for somebody, you know, I don't know, like David might just be, it might be practice and getting used to getting a rejection and moving on. That's just my opinion. I'm not the expert. here. No. Yeah. I mean, what you said is completely correct, Tony. It's really just, it's a matter of having to put yourself in tense in, in situations with tension. Like I don't, if 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 it's not in the context you're talking about, Tony and David, this is about him. He sees a, he's at a bar and he sees an attractive woman there. I mean, but he just can't stop doing you know nice guy talk with her. Going and doing a direct opener will break some of the ice there in that context. Now maybe you don't want to be as direct in another place. I'm not saying it's going to be effective, but the big thing here is the mental block around well what if she's what if she rejects me like you just have to get tired of you you have to get tired of being so controlled by rejection like when i broke out of it i started to act i just started to act more cocky around women started to act like a bit little bit of an asshole and i crossed lines and then i tracked back but it was always better to cross lines and be more forward and tease the girls, mess with them than it was mess with them too much and get a reputation for being an asshole. It felt better to be an asshole than it felt (laughs) 
to yeah. be like you know lukewarm so yeah. then you find the middle but i never had to do that in my life my experience was if there was attraction there was like no tension at all it came very very smooth and easy for me and i think it was because of the girl relieved the tension it wasn't me doing something or having confidence it was she giving me confidence because of attraction i mean that's just been my experience mm -hmm. i didn't have to play any games or mind games with the girl you know she just yeah i concur i concur with that what, can i respond to uh i want to respond to 21 studios here real quick yeah let me just respond to that so what you're saying is don't send a dick pic right off the bat don't send a dick pic unless your dick is huge. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, there's an old clip. So, uh, all right. So I shouldn't just whip it out right now, right here. <laughs> open, open forum, right here. Tony's gonna block it. Yeah, he's got, he's got the guard on. <laughs> let me, um, let me bring on Goss. I'm, I'm sure this is Goss. I don't think anybody's gonna rip him off. Hey, what's Goss? up, man? What's up? How's it going, guys? Good. Good to have you on, my man. Yeah. So I want to go, I want to go back. Welcome to the panel guys. And, and good to see you again. I want to go to, uh, I guess let's go to Muhammad. Then we'll go to watcher because they've been on for a while. Yeah. So we'll go to Muhammad. So yeah, Pat, thank, thanks, Tony. Hello everybody. Been, been a while. I was busy with yeah, so cool. you. Yeah. So, so, so Pat, first, first of thing I want to commend you and, and thank you for is that you didn't get on a tirade of, you know, you know, hating women or, batting them down which was fantastic it's kept all the discussion very very sane and decent and civic and civilized and that's the first step required to actually make and introduce a change so that's fantastic and thanks for that and um, yeah so look i think the uh, so i'm originally from pakistan and i live in australia and i've been in australia since 2008 and the first thing that struck me was that this society the western civilization actually hates and demonizes its own men and that was really bizarre that how we hear say men are evil period every man is evil to begin with so and the response to that is i i talk to people is that and what i observe is that men are actually backing off from entering into relationships gradually and today i see my many more men like that than i used to see 10 years ago or you know long time ago okay. so that's that change is definitely happening and the other thing I draw everybody's attention and perhaps yours too, if you don't mind, is that I ask this question, hey, look around yourself in USA and an Australian Western civilization and see where are various family units still intact. And the only parts of society in West where your family unit is still intact are, this, are the groups which are still steeped in their religious values. And the prime example in US would be, and it's, an, it's a reductio ad absurdum example, but it is the Amish. But in Australia, we've got Plymouth brethren who are not as, you know, traditional riding horse buggies and all that stuff. So they subscribe to all the latest stuff, but they 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 st stick to their religious code well, and their families are very much intact. And the reason feminism is definitely, I, I, I actually every, tell everybody, feminism hasn't changed women. It has allowed them to manifest their true female nature, which is rooted in fear they act through fear and there's nothing wrong with it, but it is, it is kind of nature. And a man comes close to that kind of fear is if you're walking by yourself at 10.30 p.m. in a dark alley and a, there's a group of thugs and imagine and you fear, oh, what they could do to me and you change your path. And that is the kind of perpetual fear women live 24-7. And that's when we taste it. So I think it's, um, it is what it is. As you said, the building is burning and it is progressing. The process is proceeding. 
and people are making their choices and whatever is going to happen is inevitable. Yeah. So, yeah. Very good comments. Very good comments. Um, was well, Did you have a specific question in, in mind with it? That oh, no, no. I just wanted to thank you for a fantastic conversation because a lot of people, when we do discussion, there's a tendency to start, um, you know, bashing women as a as a whole gender. And we could do that with men too. But then how are we any different from as compared to feminists? So, you know, that's that's what my thing was. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thank you for the the kind words, Muhammad. I, I will make a just a quick comment with the with the religious stuff. I I think it's it's very true that the religious groups in particular have been the most um you know immune to this stuff. And I think a lot of it's because of the precepts in religion um and also the closer sense of community. The only thing I'll say yeah. is that unless the the family is is raising them with a real awareness of like uh, okay let me put this this way a lot of religious families have ended up losing against the machine because they've not they've maybe lived out some degree of the precepts but they haven't been able to explain or defend them and I think it's important for like religious communities to explain the why to children yep. because yep. if they don't have the why, then they take it for granted and they gradually lose it. If not immediately, the next generation loses it. So Absolutely. that's what I think that the big weak spot is. You had all these conservatives who just didn't know really how insidious you know it could twist people <laughs> so. absolutely could not agree more thank you very much yeah let's go to uh watcher watcher you've been on for a while you got any questions or comments for pat watcher you still there uh yeah sure so hey pat um thanks for all your great comments uh, great content um what I wanted to um, ask you was that, um, oh yeah, <laughs> so he shall he sh who shall not be named. I agree with what he said. We need more white babies. We need a truckload of white babies. Um, but um, I I recently released a video and I called it my attempt at a serious apology to feminists. Now, before you guys think I went crazy and just became a feminist, I need to put some context as to what I meant by that. So literally um, there, there was a time during my like red pill journey where I just had red pill rage. And um, I basically had this idea that, you know, all women, you know, they're basically just, you know, sex factories and they should just be used. But then when I came out of my red pill rage, I kind of thought about what the feminists were saying. And that is that, you, you know, that, that they're people, they have personalities, they have quirks, they have idiosyncrasies, you know, they have gifts and different things like that. And so that was what my whole video was about, that although I disagree with the feminists and how far they went, I kind of see what they were saying, that, that, that you know, women should be treated as people. So I guess what, what I wanted to ask you was was my video like right-minded or was it wrong or something along those lines? 
Yeah, well, based, I mean, I haven't seen your video, but based on your depiction of it, um, every every movement comes from it comes from a kernel of truth. I mean, maybe not even a kernel, maybe like a very real truth, right? I mean, and a lot of how these people conduct in the past, at least they've conducted psychological operations, has been to take legitimate grievances and then amplify them and, you know, basically direct them in, in ways that, that don't get things solved. So I, you know, and that's actually, and it creates a good rhetorical defense because you can say, well, oh, you're not a feminist. You don't believe that, you know, women are people. You don't believe that women, you know, so it, it's like, well, no, I do agree with that. Okay, well, then you're a feminist. It's like, no, I'm not because I'm not a fucking communist because it means more than that. <laughs> but, you know, that's how they'll do these rhetorical traps. So I, I agree with what you're what, what you were saying in the video. And I, and I think where we get out of this is really recognizing that the humanity really I, it sounds so like like it's kind of lame to say it, but we really do need to have a level of we have to have compassion for ourselves for men what men go through but we also have to have compassion for women and what women go through absolutely um, you know and if we can't do that we're never going to have healthy relationships and then we will indeed never get to a society that has any kind of remotely healthy relationships in it sounds good yeah 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 you guys um <clears throat> Check out Effect uh, real quick. Check out, of course, Pat Stedman's channel. I've got a link link below. I've got a link for the vital message down below. Also, check him out. Does a lot of great interviews. Check out Watcher Metron Mobius. Okay, check out his channel. He's got a couple videos. I promoted one of his videos here this past week, and uh, I see it had quite a jump in um, in views, which I'm glad. And I'm just gonna just gonna throw this out there real quick that I'm gonna say that. He's Mark safe. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, we'll just leave it at that. So check out Watcher Metron Mobius. He's got some good videos on there. Subscribe to his channel also. So, uh, but, Pat, um, quick comment too. You said something about movement. So Eric Hoffer in his book, The Temper of Our Time, said every great cause begins as a movement, becomes a business, and eventually degenerates into a racket. And mm -hmm. that's so true. So you, you pointed out very correctly that there's a kernel of truth in every movement but then eventually it becomes the evil that we hate so yeah that's what's happening mm, very good comment very good comment yeah, yeah well, i i have like kind of a i kind of look at the political system stuff like that like what especially with politics there i kind of see it as like we're in the oligarchy where the vote is something that divides us to point fingers at each other for what restrictive policy comes in whether it's marketed as um conservative or or uh liberal they often like kind of pull in similar directions in the long term and with that whenever someone tells me their political beliefs i just say okay but in the back of my mind i have more of the uh, i have more of like the office space mindset that scene where it's like so what do you do here because i think the actions are really what make impacts within your community at a, a local maybe your state or even on a national level, what are you actually doing to influence your world? That's kind of the questions I'm, I'm more figuring out are, are relevant, whether I'm talking to 
business part people I want to be friends with, business partners, um, like girlfriends. I find that that be a lot more relevant than whether they voted on a certain policy or for a certain politician. Yeah, I would agree with that entirely. I mean, it's, you know, the famous Gandhi quote, be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, it's, it is really how, how you behave, how you treat people, how you treat yourself. And then that emanates outwards. And what I see happening is a lot of these conversations that start online, they start to pool in, you know, eventually it gets to, first off, you know, you have some people who meet online and actually move to locations, but a lot of it's just that it hits a critical mass online that within most communities, you're able to find other like-minded people and things start to happen on a very decentralized level. I think that actually we're moving away from centralization towards decentralization. You have this one group that's trying to centralize everything, literally everything. But I think the, the cross current to that, while they're trying to do that, everything's, you know, spreading out away from their grasp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just I just see it as like whether you see whether you predict more restriction, more control or less centralization, uh, no matter what you predict, you're not really going to change much at the ballot box for at least based on my There's, prognosis. You got to actually that's do some work. Up. You got to yeah. do some work and and make the make the place because just basic entropy like the world's moving into disorder unnaturally it takes a lot of work and effort to to build anything and have it stay together so well well, right i mean even even with voting not that i'm anti-voting or anything but even with voting i mean there's still like i'm outsourcing this stuff to this politician to fix i mean that's kind of the problem that we've gotten into is that we're not taking responsibility for our own lives, our own communities. Um, so, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I want to welcome Grover on the Tip Network, another good channel you guys follow. Grover, good to have you, man. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's nice to jump on and actually just really enjoying the conversation. Uh, good. You know, any fine. any input or questions for Pat? Uh, well, one thing that I I, I really uh, that really caught my caught my attention that Pat said is that especially with uh, with the religious community, the most important thing is the why. Uh, and I want to agree with agree with him 100%. Uh, and this is what I mean. I, I grew up in a deeply Southern Baptist family. Uh, East Texas, fire and brimstone in church. I don't know, six, seven hours, eight hours a week. Uh, and it can be a task just to sit there and you just, okay, so I'm just being told something, but as I got older and I started understanding the why and things happen and the why that maybe we had these values, why uh, we had these traditional roles, uh, why some of the stuff that was coming against me that I seen was actually there. It made it very easy for me to stay on my square and, and keep to my keep to the values that was put into me. Right. And please do not believe that I did not stray. I was the I was the, the worst of the worst for a while, but I was able to come back because I, I kind of understood what was going on. And I think a lot of times when you get away from that and you say, OK, for instance, uh, I don't think that there's any uh, religious institution or religious person in my family that would say that they agree with the way things are going now. With, with in case of feminism, in the case that the family's being broken up with the case, especially uh, especially in the community that I'm a part of, like families falling apart and and 
and uh, the abortion rate is just ridiculous. That wouldn't happen, right? And nobody is saying that, but because we don't have the why in place, it's kind of like, well, you're just talking at me and not talking to me. So I just wanted to give a compliment uh, to Pat because very few people I've heard with that position has really wanted to go with the why and just focus on, well, don't do this because, but no, because isn't a why. A why is what it actually means to me and how it's going to actually enrich my life to live like this because is punitive. Don't do it because you'll go to hell. Don't do this because hell, I'll whip your ass. I mean, that's how it was when I was a kid. Right? <laughs> I will take this switch and tan your ass with it. Don't do that. Right. And so that that's just something that I, I wanted to I wanted to if I would chime in with anything, you know, uh, excuse my tardiness, I would I would chime in with that. All right. Thanks for that, Grover. I've got to boot somebody. Nice try. We have a fake Peg Bell. Yeah, I know it's not you, Peg. I checked that. Yeah, you got, pe you got pegged, Bell. <laughs> not Peg Bell. Hey, hey, oh, hey, trying hard. It was a good try, whoever you are. So, uh, <laughs> who's Peg yeah, Bell? Grover, thanks. Oh. Thanks for the thanks for the comment. Um, I want to go to Goss next. Goss have been quiet. Um, before Goss. before we go to Goss, can you just do his Peg Bell? Who is? <laughs> Well, Peg Peg is one of our normals. Um, okay, all right. On here, and and we we she's a mod because we get so many like fakers and, and guys saying stuff to her, and so I modded her so she can she can bounce anybody she wants. Yeah. So you, you know, you know what I find hilarious though is the guys who flash like before you even let them on the stream. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Yeah, like, I, like like we can't see it already. Yeah. <laughs> Well, most of the time we actually can't see it, so it's not worth flashing. I'll leave it yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Like at least like <laughs> sure flash relation. At least like get a little blood flow there first. You know. Like, yeah. Exactly. At least like you might as well have, do. Yeah. You got to commit if you're going to do it. Yeah. So if you guys are new watching from 21, we get it. When I open up the panel, we get a lot of trolls. So, but we. Uh, that's why I got to be very careful. So I just I had a feeling that wasn't Peg. That's why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're not gonna pull one over on me, boyos. Hey, but if they're if they're pretending to be Peg Bell, that means that they're kind of a super fan because that's kind yeah. of a, a niche person to it, exactly. And I see her on your streams also. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, let me go to Goss. Goss, uh, you've been sitting there a while. Any comments, questions? Yeah, I have a question uh, for Pat. And if you addressed this earlier, because I'm like two hours in late. Uh, then uh, you could just say that. Um, but outside of the, the kernel of truth that was in the beginning of feminism, um, what, because I think the, the, the outcomes are, that we don't like are pretty obvious, the breakdown of the family, et cetera, and all the things that are going wrong in society. But I'm curious about the inputs and I'm curious as to outside of the, the kernel of truth in, in feminism, what would the ideal feminism look like for Pat? Well, I'll answer the question a little bit of a different way because I don't, I don't like really any of these isms. I think I like my whole big thing is consciousness. So I'm I'm probably lose some people with this, but I'll I'll just go into it anyway. the The benefit of everything that we're going through right now is that we're able to really, I think, see ourselves for who we really are. We're seeing the underbelly of everything, you know, kind of in, in relation to that, um, what we're talking about with religious communities, how they don't really explain the why. I think that we forgot a long time ago 
the why about why men are men and why women are women. Um, and I think by going through all this process, this collapse, we're having women and men being able to really experience the, the, the pain of separation, the depolarization. And I think when you come out the other end of that, those who make it through, I think are going to come out of it with a very integrated sense of self. So they're going to understand what it's really like to be a man, but they're also going to, it's, it's not going to be some sort of rigid, you know, this is what it's like to be a man, but just because it's, it's what it's like to be a man. It's going to be a really earned experience. And I think it's going to be, it's going to come with a lot of wisdom. And so that's another reason that I'm super optimistic. So the kind of feminism that I would, you know, like to see, I would like to see women who have really strong senses of self, who are also able to surrender to men and not just any man, but they, they know they have enough of their inner feminine wisdom to be able to surrender to a guy who is, who they can see is a, is a, is a true man. Um, a lot of women are super detached from that today. I mean, dating apps are a great example of how, you know, you, you could, you could look at that and you could see that women are just terrible at picking men, you know, because that's what they've been doing right through the current, um, lens. And I think women are, I, I eavesdrop on, you know, these very aware feminine circles and, women are really, they're starting to, they're slower than men to the punch with it, but they're starting to understand themselves and how they really harm themselves. And so that would be my kind of whatever feminism that is at the end where you have these integrated men and women. So, but um, do you have any, any opinions about not, not just interpersonal relationships, but the broader society in terms of working and their broader roles in education and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I did. I talked about this a little bit earlier. I mean, I, I, I don't like I could give some sort of like theory <laughs> about this. Would If I could, if I, you know, had a magic pen and I could organize society in a certain way, would I would I not allow women to do this? Would I allow them to do this? I actually don't. It's to kind of go back to what I was saying before. I, I don't really believe in like sh these kind of heavy structures. What I want is I want people to have the level of consciousness and awareness that like a woman, I don't have to say that a woman, a woman can't do this kind of job or that this is what they have to do because a woman will naturally know that this is not what she wants to do. And so she won't do it. Now that may sound kind of utopian. I totally get it. I totally get it. But I think that consciousness is, is the real game here. Otherwise, you know, we just end up going back to where we were before and maybe we do, but what comes after this, I think is going to be a very, very enlightened society. It's going to be maybe diminished, but I think that the people who survive this are going to be people who, you know, they're going to inherit the world and they're going to pass on the lessons. You know, at the end of the day, it's just evolution. 
Yeah, it made me when you said that you weren't a fan of the rigid structures and stuff like that. Like it made me think that even if you impose uh, more of that structure, um, the behaviors find a way. And I it made me think of like Jeff Goldblum going like, "Life finds a way." <laughs> okay, stop. No, hundred percent, Caduceus. I mean, look, I I tend to take this very like hundred thousand view, you know, view of things, but. The reason I mentioned the 1950s is that, okay, well, and that maybe we should be cautious about putting it on this pedestal is that it provoked a reaction. You know, there was a real, you can't enforce over a long period of time things that maybe aren't to human nature. I don't think that the 1950s were, like women were not being put, like women just being pretty things who stayed at home and, you know, you know, took care of kids and, and sat around all day. Yeah. yeah think of how many dudes that got cucked without knowing it. Oh my God. That, that's how we got the milkman meme. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, it's not how, how it was meant to be. And, you know, women were used to having broader communities around them and having all sorts of little, you know, random jobs on the farm or the family business. Um, they like to be useful. So, yeah, I don't think that any sort of force works. It, it works for a short amount of time, and then people react to it. And then when they react to it, the reactions are often worse. And then that's kind of how we got into this mess is like reacting to reactions back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So... I'd like to educate, you know, let's, let's let people, let's let people. Yeah, what, 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 what did Mr. 1950 say, Tony? Like, it's, it's funny. Cause the guy's named Mr. 1950. Oh, yeah. about the fifties and <laughs> Tony, Tony knows it. What, yeah. what is this? What is this? Yeah. That's I'm, I'm trying to remember right now. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a dude on Tony's stream about like, I think like about a little less than a year ago. Who was saying that his name? His name was actually Mister Nineteen Fifty. He said, "I control the women." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's um, that's where I came up with weak men control, strong men lead. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because nobody really wants to be controlled. Um, so you know, again, I came up with that. I'm think I'm the only one that said that, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty good one. I, I kind of go with the Machiavelli, like be feared, but not loathed. Yeah. I like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, I do want to, uh, give a quick shout out to, uh, to MD and his new book. I see that's out and uh, I watched it. I'm going to get this. It's called nightmare on sperm street. It is the sperm book. So, You guys check that out on Amazon. He, I know I've talked to him quite frequently. And he's put a lot of work in on this book. So let's, uh, it's, it's $9.99. I mean, he prices his books really inexpensive. So check it out. It's all about basically sperm wars and what it does to women. So check out this book. I know he put in a lot of work on it. So check it out. I'll even drop the link in the, uh, in the uh, video description so you, everybody can check it out. But I noticed that about uh, about six hours ago. Mm. And I didn't want to give him a shout out for the time he put into that book. So I'm sure it's going to be an incredible read. I can't wait to get it myself. So, But um, it might only be on, uh, I don't know if it's just on Kindle yet. I don't know. It might be only on Kindle. Let me see. Um, it's, it's a lot more work to get your book in hard copy. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm sure he'll have a promo to explain it. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, check it out. And uh, I guess it's on Kindle right now. I'm not sure, but that's what it looks like. But yeah, check out, uh, check out his new book, man, for sure. So, but um, yeah, we're going to start wrapping it up. Is there, um, I guess I'll go around the whole panel here. I want to start with uh, Grover and the tip network. Uh, thank you for having me come up. And once again, I apologize for yeah, being, being so tardy. Uh, I would just say that, like, I, I think that there's a lot of a lot of truths to be said that things happen for a reason. And we have to go through this very uncomfortable time so we can realize how things should be. Uh, I, uh, so I look at this time right now, even though as a natural, it feels is that maybe it's just kind of like a teenage years when you're awkward and things just aren't fitting right as far as relationships go between men and women. Uh, I mean, I'm lucky, I, you know, I'm probably one of the few guys on a on a panel who are actually married and happy to be married. And people always, you know, say something's wrong with me or something like that. But I'm, you know, I'm living a good life. But I would say that, you know, only through understanding yourself, having yourself centered and having proper roles in your house that you can actually have a happy, uh, a happy existence for, for all parties involved. And I think that uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that at like 25 or 24 years old, but at the age I can now, I'm more able to do that and, and, and you know, stand up and, you know, be the person I am. Uh, I think that maybe society is going through that. I mean, we have all these crazy stuff like dating apps and access to everything. I mean, when I was young to watch a, watch a, see, see, see some, uh, some dirty movies, I had to like sneak to the store, grab it, hide from my dad, Hope he didn't find out. My dad wouldn't have beat me for it. He would have just made fun of me. That's worse. You know, I couldn't <laughs> let my mom see it. She would beat me for it. Had to hide it from my had to hide it from my big cousin because they'd steal it from me. You know, <laughs> and I had to little brother because he would snitch me off to my dad and everybody else. So you had to go through all of these things just to get just a little dirt. And now yeah. you just pick up your phone. And so through this access, we've corrupted ourselves. And I think that eventually we'll realize that you know. Uh, maybe that scarcity that we could have that was good. Maybe it was good that you had to like sneak around and do it because you knew that it wasn't natural to just have it all the time. I think the dating apps and the access to people all over the world is the same thing. Uh, maybe I'm a, you know, I may sound old fashioned when I say that, but I think that sometimes some of the things that happened in the old days were right, you know, not a hundred percent. But some of the things were right. And I do understand what Pat was saying that, like, we got to understand that whatever happened that did cause this reaction. I mean, it's just like celebrating the end of World War One, but not understanding that how you ended World War One started World War Two. You know, so you have to learn from the past and fix it or we're just going to keep repeating. Uh, and But that's growth. That's growth as people. I mean, as a nation, we're a couple hundred years old. So, you know, I think a lot of times we. We, we don't understand that some of the things that maybe some folks figured out, we're, we're just going through. So, uh, you know, uh, also I want to say, Tony, I've been trying to get on stream and talk to you for a minute. So thank you. Uh, keep <laughs> listening thank you for letting me well, come on. Thanks up. for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And everybody subscribe. And all you guys that watching at yeah. 21 Studios right now, check out Grover and the Tip Network for sure. Yeah, so, it's a lot of sarcasm on the Tip Network. A, a lot of sarcasm, a little self-improvement, but a lot of sarcasm. We it's it's good stuff. stuff, man. It is. It's a it's a good channel, man. I I, well, I, like I, I appreciate. It. I also like to say uh, hello to Caduceus. I was, haven't spoke to you for a while, so it's oh, good, good to, to hear you. from you, man. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna skip off because uh, I'm an old man. And I need to go to sleep. 
Thanks for coming on, Grover. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate all of you. Thank you very much. Have a have a nice evening. You too. Thank you. And let's go to uh, let's go to Watcher. If you're still there, any final words? You're on mute if you don't know. Man, it might be snoozing. Who knows? <laughs> we'll go to uh, Muhammad next. Oh, yeah. Um, hi, everybody again. Great, great chat, Pat. Thank you for coming on. And I second, like, not just on a religious level, at every level, we have to repeat what we have lost in terms of morals. And Feynman phrased it really well, that why repeat all this? And that's because there are new generations born every day and because there are great ideas developed in the history of man. And these ideas do not last unless they are passed purposely and clearly from one generation to the next generation. And that is, I think, our biggest duty to the truth, which you are doing, Tony is doing, I hope we are all doing, and that's a fantastic thing to do. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mohammed. Now go to Gus. Well, I would say uh, thanks, Tony. Uh, thanks, Pat, for answering my question. And um, I, I'm late to the party. I'll definitely um, catch the whole thing later. And um, yeah, it was a very interesting dis discussion, and it's a discussion that needs to be had because these outcomes are uh, are not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Thank Gus. Appreciate you coming on, and good, and good talking to you again. We'll go to uh, the vital message, Caduceus. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Uh, and thank Absolutely. you, 21 Studios, for mirroring this stream. And Pat Stedman for being the special guest, as well as anyone else that hopped on the panel along the way. I think it's great that we have a few spaces on the internet where we can compare notes so we can become better. As long as, like, as long as we're enhancing our own lives, I think that's a positive note. And if you could, if it, maybe I save you like one or two seconds uh, with my personal experience, um, that I would be satisfied to hear about that. But the, everyone here is empowered to make a positive change in their life. And maybe ideas that were spitballed here can get the ball rolling for you. Thank yeah. you, fellas. Yeah, and uh, subscribe to The Vital Message, you guys. I know I got a link in the description of the video, so check him out for sure. He's got a lot of good interviews on there. And we'll go to Pat Stedman, the guest of honor tonight. Well, Tony, I want to appreciate and thank you and send my appreciation for having me on. And, you know, Caduceus, Muhammad, Goss, uh, Mobius, Grover, everybody who, who jumped on. Really, really just great questions. I appreciate it. It's really constructive discussion um feminism is a hot topic but i really feel like this one in particular was really it was good i don't think we really got into the weeds and um my my last comments here are really just to reiterate what i what i've said at the very end about about consciousness and, and awareness and you know as technology continues to grow we're you know to what grover was saying you have porn at your fingertips, like the, the number of vices that will grow and ensnare people, uh, the number of ways that we can be twisted and to, to, to escape from ourselves. It's just growing. It's growing. And the only way to deal with that world is to change how you perceive reality, change how you your own awareness of reality. And 
you know, this conversation began about feminism and, you know, we've talked about the 1950s and, and the, the backlash there, but the reality is that a lot of the initial feminist movement, even though it was obviously designed to, you know, lead to the destruction of the family and all sorts of things, what it preyed upon was a lot of women waking up to the fact that they weren't happy with the connection that they were getting in their relationships and that they weren't happy with the role that they were being forced to play because they didn't have this connection. They didn't, they were felt like they had to do something. And so we can see that all this collapse has been one big exploration. And my hope is that everybody here, rather than get resentful over it, be very grateful as much as you can summon gratitude in this situation for the fact that you can now understand how things really work. You, you're able to accrue understanding of reality firsthand and use it, grow from it. Don't fall into negativity. Don't fall into despair about this. Those of you who are able to, to, to take these lessons and build from them, you're going to have a fantastic life regardless of where you are right now because we will get through this. I, I firmly believe it. We will get through it. And there will be women who want to get through it too. So. Well, thanks, Pat, for spending time tonight, man. You know, I always look forward to you coming on. Always, always great conversation and great back and forth with, with the panel every time, you know, um, I, I, nobody gets offended here. And I like that, <laughs> you know, we can have some good conversations. All you guys that are watching and guys and gals watching from 21 studios, check out my channel. It's uh, T 21 surfer. I'm sure if you look in the description of the video, even on 21 studios, you can find me there. You can find pretty much everybody that's been on most everybody that's been on the panel. I got uh, links for everybody. Again, I want to congratulate 21 studios of 400,000 subs today. So congratulations, Anthony Johnson. Good job. Keep it up. And again, you guys come and come to the 21 convention and meet Pat, meet a lot of the guys, man. Um, again, I got a coupon code. It's you can click on the link description of the video, or just if you buy your ticket, you can get $150 off just Tony 150. That's all you got to do. Get a quick 150 off your ticket. So I'd love to meet some of these guys that I see in the chat and on the panel. So, you know, come on out and, uh, and you know, get into real life, man. It's a riot. You guys will, you won't regret it. I'll just put it that way. It's a really good time. So it really again, is an amazing time down there. Really yeah. amazing time. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like I said, come and meet Pat, man, you know, hang out. We have dinner, drinks. It's a good time. So come and check it out again. 21 studios. Thanks for hosting us. Um, and also check out, I had a stream last week with Dr. Sean Smith, incredible stream. It's, uh, it was called after the disaster. So, you know, the breakup divorce. In fact, I think it was, uh, ultra testosterone was talking about, uh, antidepressants. We had a little segment in there where we talked about SSRIs with Sean Smith, real great segment, but check out Sean Smith. That was the last Thursday night, but you guys on 21, this was your Thursday night reality check, and I'm sure you're going to see more of us on 21 Studios. But uh, I appreciate all the new faces and all the regulars. And uh, 
Hope everybody has a really, really good evening. I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, I'm going to play us out with this and we'll call it a night. Again, appreciate everybody and your time. And uh, I'll see you guys at 21 convention. Cheers. Have a good evening. Cheers.